Appendix F of Principles of Economics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Principles of Economics by Alfred Marshall. Appendix F. Barter. Let us consider the case of two individuals engaged in barter. A has, say, a basket of apples, B a basket of nuts. A wants some nuts, B wants some apples. The satisfaction which B would get from one apple would perhaps outweigh that which he would lose by parting with twelve nuts, while the satisfaction which A would get from perhaps three nuts would outweigh that which he would lose by parting with one apple. The exchange will be started somewhere between these two rates, but if it goes on gradually, every apple that A loses will increase the marginal utility of apples to him, and make him more unwilling to part with any more, while every additional nut that he gets will lower the marginal utility of nuts to him, and diminish his eagerness for more, and vice versa with B. At last A's eagerness for nuts relatively to apples will no longer exceed B's, and exchange will cease because any terms that the one is willing to propose would be disadvantageous to the other. Up to this point exchange has increased the satisfaction on both sides, but it can do so no further. Equilibrium has been attained, but really it is not the equilibrium, it is an accidental equilibrium. There is, however, one equilibrium rate of exchange which has some sort of right to be called the true equilibrium rate, because if once hit upon it would be adhered to throughout. It is clear that if very many nuts were to be given throughout for an apple, B would be willing to do but little business, while if but very few were to be given, A would be willing to do but little. There must be some intermediate rate at which they would be willing to do business to the same extent. Suppose that this rate is six nuts for an apple, and that A is willing to give eight apples for forty-eight nuts, while B is willing to receive eight apples at that rate, but that A would not be willing to give a ninth apple for another six nuts, while B would not be willing to give another six nuts for a ninth apple. This, then, is the true position of equilibrium, but there is no reason to suppose that it will be reached in practice. Suppose, for instance, that A's basket had originally twenty apples in it, and B's one hundred nuts, and that A at starting induced B to believe that he does not care much to have any nuts, and so manages to barter four apples for forty nuts, and afterwards two more for seventeen nuts, and afterwards one more for eight. Equilibrium may now have been reached, but there may be no further exchange which is advantageous to both. A has sixty-five nuts, and does not care to give another apple even for eight, while B, having only thirty-five nuts, sets a high value on them, and will not give as many as eight for another apple. On the other hand, if B had been the more skilful in bargaining, he might have perhaps induced A to give six apples for fifteen nuts, and then two more for seven. A has now given up eight apples, and got twenty-two nuts. If the terms at starting had been six nuts for an apple, and he had got forty-eight nuts for his eight apples, he would not have given up another apple, even for seven nuts. But having so few nuts, he is anxious to get more, and is willing to give two more apples in exchange for eight nuts, and then two more for nine nuts, and then one more for five, and then again equilibrium may be reached. For B, having thirteen apples and fifty-six nuts, does not perhaps care to give more than five nuts for an apple, and A may be unwilling to give up one of his few remaining apples for less than six. In both these cases, the exchange would have increased the satisfaction of both as far as it went, 
and when it ceased, no further exchange would have been possible, which would not have diminished the satisfaction of at least one of them. In each case an equilibrium rate would have been reached, but it would be an arbitrary equilibrium. Next suppose that there are a hundred people in a similar position to that of A, each with about twenty apples, and the same desire for nuts as A, and an equal number on the other side similarly situated to the original B. Then the acutest bargainers in the market would probably be some of them on A's side, some of them on B's, and, whether there was free communication throughout the market or not, the mean of the bargains would not be so likely to differ very widely from the rate of six nuts for an apple, as in the case of barter between two people. But yet there would be no such strong probability of its adhering very closely to that rate, as we saw was the case in the corn market. It would be quite possible for those on the A side to get in various degrees the better of those on the B side in bargaining, so that after a time sixty-five hundred nuts might have been exchanged for seven hundred apples, and then those on the A side, having so many nuts, might be unwilling to do any more trade except at the rate of at least eight nuts for an apple, while those on the B side, having only thirty-five nuts apiece left on the average, might probably refuse to part with any more at that rate. On the other hand, B's might have gotten in various degrees the better of the A's in bargaining, with the result that after a time thirteen hundred apples had been exchanged for only forty-four hundred nuts, the B's having then thirteen hundred apples and fifty-six hundred nuts, might be unwilling to offer more than five nuts for an apple, while the A's, having only seven apples apiece left on the average, might decline that rate. In the one case, equilibrium would be found at a rate of eight nuts for an apple, and in the other at the rate of five nuts. In each case an equilibrium would be attained, but not the equilibrium. This uncertainty of the rate at which equilibrium is reached depends indirectly on the fact that one commodity is being bartered for another, instead of being sold for money. For, since money is a general purchasing medium, there are likely to be many dealers who can conveniently take in or give out large supplies of it, and this tends to steady the market. But where barter prevails, apples are likely to be exchanged for nuts in one case, for fish in another, for arrows in another, and so on. The steadying influences which hold together a market in which values are set in money are absent, and we are obliged to regard the marginal utilities of all commodities as varying. It is, however, true that, if nut-growing had been a chief industry of our barter district, and all the traders on both sides had large stores of nuts, while only the A's had apples, then the exchange of a few handfuls of nuts would not have visibly affected their stores, or changed appreciably the marginal utility of nuts. In that case the bargaining would have resembled, in all fundamentals, the buying and selling in an ordinary corn market. Thus, for instance, let a single A with twenty apples bargain with a single B. Let A be willing to sell five apples for fifteen nuts, a sixth for four nuts, a seventh for five, an eighth for six, a ninth for seventh, and so on, the marginal utility of nuts being always constant to him, so that he is just willing to sell the eighth for sixth, and so on, whether in the earlier part of the trade he has got the better of the bargaining with B or not. Meanwhile, let B be willing to pay fifty nuts for the first five apples, rather than go without them, nine for a sixth, seven for a seventh, six for an eighth, and only five for a ninth, the marginal utility of nuts being constant to him, so that he will give just six nuts for the eighth apple, whether he has bought the earlier apples cheaply or not. In this case the bargaining must issue in the transfer of eight apples. 
the eighth apple being given for six nuts. But, of course, if A had got the better of the bargaining at first, he might have got fifty or sixty nuts for the first seven apples, while if B had got the better of the bargaining at first, he might have got the first seven apples for thirty or forty nuts. This corresponds to the fact that in the corn market discussed in the text, about seven hundred quarters would be sold with a final rate of thirty-six shillings, but if the sellers had got the best of the bargaining at first, the aggregate price paid might be a good deal more than seven hundred times thirty-six shillings, while if the buyers had got the better of the bargaining at first, the aggregate price would be a good deal less than seven hundred times thirty-six shillings. The real distinction, then, between the theory of buying and selling and that of barter, is that in the former it generally is, and in the latter it generally is not, right to assume that the stock of one of the things which is in the market and ready to be exchanged for the other is very large and in many hands, and that therefore its marginal utility is practically constant. See note 12, bis in the mathematical appendix. End of appendix F.